Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm going yumpy! <laughs> we want to try that again? No, we're good. <laughs> Roll the tape! I'm you know, Alex? <laughs> I forgot that's where you're going with that. It was very good. Uh, this week we are talking about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I don't know if that was a complete success or a complete failure. <laughs> yes. Continue. Okay. <laughs> little view behind the curtain here, and here comes the sequels. See, most times that happens four or five times, and we just we just keep uh, retaking. This time it happened, and we just decided to go with it. It's going to be good. <laughs> you know, the sad part is I've had a couple of, of friends that, uh, that have listened to this, and, you know, I, they... they you know, it, it comes up in conversation. And they're like, yeah, it sounds like you just come up with it spontaneously. I'm like, I do not. <laughs> we plan it ahead of time and it's kind of sad. <laughs> so Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, directed by David Yates from 2007. Correct. It has a 78% critic score. Incorrect. Which is the lowest of all the Harry Potter movies thus far. And an 81% audience score, which is third highest. So it's like right in the middle. Um, so just going ahead and saying this, because if you've listened to the previous couple of episodes, we were kind of concerned about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a religious experience with this <laughs> film. I think that's the best way to put it. Tyler. It was transcendent. Tyler, tell us a little bit about your experience with this, particularly because you've actually finished Order of the Phoenix recently. It's, I'm still working on Gobble to Fire, um, and and getting to your best and worst things about about this, this film, this wonderful, beautiful film. It's the best one. Did I just spoil how I feel it's, about it's it? It's the best. I haven't seen the last three. I know, it's the best one. <laughs> I'm so confused. I did not expect this, and I'm. I, the, I really thought that we had we had hit the peak, and I was like, "All right, well, that's that's enough of that." But this, it, it's just good. I w- I was really concerned because after Prisoner of Azkaban and Gobble to Fire, which are we generally we, two of the we more thought we of, thought we were the best ones after watching them. Yeah, um, yeah. And we were like, "Well, they they still don't get into the A range for either of us." Yeah. And then this movie just comes in out of nowhere and says, "Hold my beer, <laughs> butter beer," actually to be a universal. You, you, my best thing about this movie is uh, uh, is Luna Lovegood. <laughs> oh gosh, we'll, we'll have to get into so much about this. Um, so I say Luna Lovegood. Do I, I, need, I do actually do I, mean that. Do I need to pull up the actress's name? Do I need to do that real quick? Oh, gosh. Um. Yeah. Yes. No. You, you could. Uh, Alana Lynch is that Ivan? Iv- no, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. With I, I'll look it up. Look it up. It's probably just completely wrong. There are some L's in there. There's, I think there's a Y. <laughs> um. Anyway, she. So basically, she gets yes. Ivana Lynch. So you, you okay? Got it. Co- co- L's, B's, same thing. Yeah. Um. So they're all silent, really. For, I mean, first of all, great performance, great character. I, I guess I need to step back and explain kind of where we're coming from. This, um, I so I have finished the fifth book at this point. Um, I kind of this is the closest it's been so far to me not finishing it before we record. Uh, so hopefully I'll, I'll speed up with the sixth one and, and catch it before them. 
But the fifth one, um, I kind of feel like it's the the worst so far. Uh, it's a very it's too long. It's my, like it's the first one I have legitimate problems. The first book I have legitimate problems with after this kind of read through. It's just it's very long. Um, the mystery and the th- the mysteries and the themes are not nearly as strong as in the previous four. I feel at least. I mean, this is all my opinion. But that's just the vibe I got. I feel like we spend a lot of time in Harry's very angry, angsty head, which is fine. Like that's that's you, you can you can do that, and, and it, it's done effectively. I mean, it's 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 we we get we understand and sympathize with Harry, even as we we appreciate that he is also being kind of a reckless brat. Um, but I I don't know. I ha- I have some problems, and we'll talk about those as we get into the movie. I feel like this movie is a legitimate improvement over the book, and I'm blown away by the fact that i'm saying that because because by the end of like goblet of fire i was like oh my gosh this series like like it's not even slightly possible for the movies to capture the the glory of the books and then as i was kind of getting through the fifth book i was like oh my gosh like i'm not not only am i not really loving the book but then we watched the movie and i was just completely flabbergasted uh so, is the general consensus that Order of the Phoenix is the best book? Is that the... It's... Uh, people love it. Um, okay. I don't know if, that, if that's the general... I feel like Goblet of Fire might be... I mean, there's... See, see this is... There's, what... not, there's not a hard... Well, actually, Prisoner of Azkaban is probably the, the favorite book, and I feel like... We've talked about that. I feel like some of that has to do with that being taken... Um, or the movie being taken into account, because yeah. the movie is generally considered the best movie. Yeah. Um, see, see, this is one of those weird situations where I'm coming at it more from a film franchise yeah. perspective than the book franchise. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little more unfamiliar with sort of the the online or the the, and the general cultural I've perception just, of the books, yeah, yeah, other yeah. than they're all really good. Yeah, I've tried to do some research into that. Um, that that's kind of where I'm coming from with this. It's 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 all over the place, but generally, what I saw was that two was at the bottom, three was at the top. But yeah, I feel like the fifth book was and. and it could just be, I don't know, the mood I went into reading it. Like, I, I, it could just be it happened. Maybe I'm just reading th- through them a little too fast and I'm just getting a little tired of it. Yeah. But I, I, I legitimately loved the fourth one. At least I thought it was an incredible piece of storytelling. And yeah. the, the fifth one I feel like doesn't quite hold up to that. It's it's kind of a drag and I just, I feel like the pacing is a little off. I have, I mean, it's I still think it's good. I just have problems with it, which was a surprise because I did not have any real major problems with the first four. Um, but this movie almost, it follows the basic framework of the book, but it almost is just like, we don't really need a lot of that. Um, and it has a lot of great improvements. It has, it has a lot of scenes that are direct scenes from the book with the same dialogue and everything, but it also has a lot of additional spins, um, a lot of great visual stuff that it adds. Uh, but Luna specifically... The reason I brought her up is the fact, and we'll we'll talk more about our hot takes that apparently we now have on the Harry Potter franchise because we've realized something uh, that would make us both way happier with the, the story. Um, Luna, things things that we've kind of mentioned or alluded to yes. before, but but yes. we're, we're gonna we're gonna fully realize mm-hmm. them for mm-hmm. you for you right now. Yes, it, well, in like 10, 15 minutes, in the comfort of your own ears. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, or I, um, was kind of taken by the fact that there are several scenes with Luna, obviously, again, great actress to play her, like, perfect casting, and there are several scenes with her that they add. Uh, one is that there's a scene, 
so in the in the book, um, the Thestrals are in- introduced because Hagrid brings the brings his care magical creatures class to the forest to see them, and uh, instead in this, it's just that Harry just happens to be kind of going for a walk or whatever, and then he finds Luna feeding the Thestrals in the forest. And it's this great scene. It adds a lot more exposition. It consolidates some exposition. Uh, and it gives Harry a bit more of an outlet to to express his feelings and, like, not feel... Or or just generally to calm down, almost. Like, they... they it just does a great job of, of centering him after he's going through kind of a really tumultuous time and, like, he's confused and he's frustrated with everyone. He's angry at everybody. Uh, so that's a nice scene. Um, and there's... A, they expand on the scene where Luna is talking to him at the end of the term, at the end of the school year, and saying that uh, she's missing all her stuff and that, you know, she's trying to look for him. And there's a couple of really excellent lines that they kind of add in or embellish from the book. I mean, it's not a huge difference. It's not much longer or anything, but they just add in a couple of spins. Uh, the, the the best part of it, I think, is, is Luna says... Um, th- so in the book, she does say... Uh, these things have a way of turning up in the end. But then in the movie, she says, my mother always said, so she just adds that part in, that things have a habit of turning up in the end. Um, and then it, it pans up to her shoes hanging from the archway of like kind of this, this entrance hall. And then she says, if not always in the way you expect. And it's it's an excellent little bit. Um, she grabs his hand and it's, it's you can tell like it, they, it's good acting and they just have good like it's just a great moment like of kind of catharsis for Harry. It's really the only moment in which he really sort of uh, processes Sirius's death. Um, and they do some more stuff with that in the books as far as him trying to talk to people who don't really get it. And then he finally talks to her. And that's kind of a moment that, that allows him to start getting over it. Uh, there, there's a couple of scenes like that where she's not in the movie a ton, but she's in it enough. And they add in some scenes and some dialogue that... Um, make her embody sort of what I really, really like about this movie. That's a lot of rambling, but no, you made I'm kind of talking around our, our, the, the, the whole conspiracy we'll have to get into in a second here. Um, anyway, my worst thing, and I'm, I'm stealing this from you, I guess, but okay. <laughs> yeah, is the special effects. They're not very good. Uh, they're mixed. Some of them are quite good. You 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 don't even the notice movie, them. The movie immediately took me off guard. Some of them are trash. The Dementors at the beginning, uh, they do not look good, and they don't look. They aren't like giant flowy black cloaks anymore. They they the you see like their faces, and they're kind of like or I guess the cloaks are supposed to be very tight to them and, and ragged. I don't know. It just doesn't look good. Um, and it, it's it's a lot more detailed of a design, and they don't pull it off with the CGI. And it doesn't. It's not a, as cool of a design. It's not as iconic of a design, um, and that kind of continues throughout. Where there's a lot of bits here and there where, where they use CGI, and it's just like, oh, that does not that does not work. Uh, Grop, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Which they add in a lot of scenes. Not a lot of scenes. They they expand on the scene with Grop to make the make Harry, Hermione, and Ron actually kind of like him. Yeah. And it's a really nice scene. I think it's a really it's a it's a kind of a cute touching scene where, where Grop hands her the, the bicycle handle with the bell on it and she yeah. dings it and it's just hands Hermione and like Hermione actually like tells Grop to put her down which is a nice bit and I don't know I feel like put me down yeah, yeah it, now <laughs> and it, it yeah it, it's it's a nice scene they expand on that so like again they improve I think on the scene overall yeah 
Um, but the, the CGI just did not look good <laughs> for Gruff. No. Or the centaurs, as we see later. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that is just like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. You did not pull that off. Yeah. Um. What is my best thing? Oh, yeah. My best thing is that Harry actually kind of gets a character arc in this one. Um. Because mm-hmm. in, in the other ones, he doesn't really get like a, a fully realized character arc. Mm-hmm. It's more just like across the the whole series, he gets an arc. Yeah. But in, in each one, it's just kind of like showing. I don't. I don't know. It feels a lot more plot driven. I guess if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Which is sort of where Harry as a person does not seem to change that much. Yeah. And you pointed this out that what I was talking about because, and you were saying that you haven't finished the or you haven't gotten to the fifth book yet. Yes. But I, where I was kind of complaining, even before we watched the movie, I was kind of complaining about the fact that I felt like the fifth book just had a lot of meandering and and was very slow and sort of plotting. Um, yes. And you mentioned the fact that because there's not a lot of like plot to drive it, it's a lot easier probably to condense this and yeah. cut out a lot well, of things and, and so, so find the heart of the matter. And because of that, once you strip away, strip away a lot of the stuff that is necessary for the series itself, because there's a lot of plot lines throughout the series that yeah. they have to keep track of the books or that J.K. Rowling has to keep track of in the books. Um, in the movies where we're kind of skating the surface of the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot easier to just cut out a lot of the stuff that's not going to have a major impact. And on on sort of the ongoing plot, and then just be like, all right, yeah. um, we just got this nice tight story about Harry, sort of going through and and really coming into his own as the boy who lived, yeah, um, and and as a leader of the the good wizards, <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, I, yeah, I, I I completely agree with everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I try, because <laughs> like in in every single other book or, or the previous books and movies. It's all about the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's not really about a mystery. I mean, there are smaller mysteries, and most of them get cast aside for the sake of the movie. Yep. Um, like, who sent the Dementors? Mm-hmm. Like, in the book, it's Umbridge, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, which is not addressed in the movie at all, so you can just right. be like, oh, Voldemort sent them, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's mostly just Harry just, like, creating this this little group of, of people that are, are, aren't going to take any more crap. Yep. Um... But I, I love how Harry just starts this movie and he's just like fed up with everything because mm-hmm. of just all the stuff he's taken over the years. And he's just mad. And like a 15-year-old boy, of course, he's just going to be angry and, and mm-hmm. lashing out at everyone. Um, it's very realistic in that way. Uh, and I, I love how it, it feeds into Voldemort's connection with him and yep. how he thinks he's becoming a bad person because he's so angry all the time. And he has that excellent conversation with Sirius where Sirius says, you are a good person yes. who has had terrible things happen to them. They expand both his conversation with Sirius and the entire confrontation with Voldemort at the end Yes, uh, to turn it into much more, like the his his arc and what he learns and, and how he grows comes out much more strongly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I absolutely love that. And, and then, like you said, the, the scene at the end with Voldemort where Harry has the realization that because the whole time he's like, what is the difference between me and Voldemort, mm-hmm. really? Um, like, I can see into the mind of his snake yes. what is happening right now. Yes. Um, he's like, oh, the difference is people love me. Like, I have people that care about me. Mm-hmm. You 
you're so alone and I feel sorry for you. Like, I love that, that moment. And yes. And just cause it, it's, it's a whole bunch of quick cuts and flashes mm. between like clips of the different movies. And I love that always I yep. continuity. bring back continuity. I'm all, I'm all about that as, as everyone knows, but even there's a very quick bit. And if you're watching it for the first time, you're going to miss it. But there's a bit where like, Harry's looking into the mirror and he sees Voldemort's reflection, but like wearing his clothes. Yes. Very weird image. But then, like, when Harry's starting to overcome him in his mind, mm-hmm. you see Harry like punching and breaking the mirror. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Very subtle because it's, it's, it's super quick. Mm-hmm. And then he's got that nice line at the end. He's like, uh, you know, we've got something we're fighting for. That's, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. I love it. Harry has an arc, and I feel like. I mean, he he does have some character building and some growth, but it's mm. not, it's not so concrete in the other books. It or feels movies. sort of like this is the culmination of his coming of age yeah. tale, and then now he's kind of ready to turn to turn about and really take on Voldemort head on. Because I mean, the next book slash movie is about, well, the next book at least is about him figuring out how to take down Voldemort mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And so yeah, it's yeah. I feel like that all comes comes through a lot more strongly in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Agreed. Yeah, my worst thing is going to be the special effects. Uh, very <laughs> very mixed bag. He's going for the same thing. Well, it's, it's mainly just because this movie is, was so surprisingly good, I had a hard time thinking of, like, a bad thing. Yeah. Because um, it, it really didn't feel like either of the previous one, Like... It, it, there didn't seem to be any weird pacing issues. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed to be condensed in the correct ways. There weren't weird things like in, in the third one. Like I, I complained about how a lot of the details that should probably be explained are just kind of dropped. Yes. And even with the fourth one, it didn't feel as distracting. But it, even still, like how Voldemort and Wormtail know about the Triwizard Tournament being held at um, Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and then knowing that Moody is going to be teaching and having Barty Crouch Jr. in on the plan and having like there's questions about that the logistics of that plan and how exactly it all makes sense but I feel like that's not as big of a problem especially because there are Death Eaters in the ministry so that doesn't feel as big of a problem as all the stuff in Sirius and and the third one but here I didn't find myself constantly asking questions like that uh, I think it happened like once or twice, but I can't even remember what kinds of questions I was asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing, uh, one thing I kept bringing up was like, so talk to me about this this Thestral business because if Harry saw his mom die, why why can he not see the Thestral? And I don't I don't know if it's like in the book, it's more like he didn't actually see her get killed. It's more yeah, I think that's the, the idea. The way it's portrayed in the movie, she gets killed in the yeah. same room as him. Yeah. Um, I guess it's more just like what you remember, or I don't know. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, technicalities are fun, uh, right. but yeah, the 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 biggest thing that stuck out to me was just some of the special effects are just real mixed bags. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, the biggest one would be Grop, and I, I believe I, I listened to some interview or watched some video where they they were talking to some of the special effects supervisors or something, like kind of a retrospective of the whole series. Mm-hmm. And they ask them kind of like what special effects they, they look back on and they kind of regret or wish they could change. And ever, uh, they, they were like, Grop. Sounds about right. I almost feel like he could be cut entirely from the movie. He has a great scene, despite mm-hmm. the special effects like you were talking about. But I feel like 
Probably. If they just built up more that the centaurs are getting mad at the ministry, and then Hermione uses that bit of knowledge to be like, okay, we're, I'm leading Kerr, yeah. I'm leading Umbridge, you need to get to Umbridge, uh, uh-huh. into the Forbidden Force specifically so they can attack her. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like yeah. that's... There, there's a way to condense it even more. This movie... Yeah. This movie is 20 minutes shorter than Goblet of Fire. Yeah, and that's sort of... That is so strange to me. What I came away thinking is that, like, the fourth movie I watched, and I was like, well, this is a really impressive sort of condensation and adaptation of a really complicated book into a feature-length film. And this movie, I was like, oh, this is actually... you've, You've actually adapted this into something that is probably a more effective story yeah and you've concentrated the book yeah now it like it to where it flows a little better um yeah i don't know do we want to start with the director and writer change first yeah we should mention that so obviously david yates came on to do this one and he's been on through the fantastic beast movies Mm -hmm. um his directing i think he's he's more of a actor's director than he is yeah. in terms of like oh he's he's very you know savvy technically yeah, yeah. which i think shines through with the special effects and then also the shooting itself isn't all that impressive mm-hmm. um and i don't want to i don't, don't, don't want to get super technical but just like comparing it to quaroon yes. specifically who is still the best um i mean i think he's better than mike newell in in terms of i think he's on par with mike newell well, I say that. There there are some... Eh, eh. Yeah. I don't know. It's amazing how... It is cons- probably about the same. How consistent the movies look. I mean, That's even true. if like the camera work changes or things, it still feels like the same universe. Prisoner of Azkaban is still by far the most beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it's the yeah. best shot. But but that did really set the standard for like, this is kind of what we're going yeah. for. And then from there on, the, the, the at least these two have, have continued on with that. But I don't for, know how David Yates directing evolves. But, but for me... Um, Aside from, like, some of the action sequences and then the excellent montages where they're cutting through and intersplicing, mm-hmm. like, different newspaper clippings mm-hmm. and stuff. Or just general, there are a couple just plain montages where they just filter through. Yeah. Aside from some of that stuff, some of those flourishes, I think the directing is, like, slightly above, like, competent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. It's good. Um. So, yeah, it would be interesting to kind of track and see how, if it, it improves at all. In the I remember the sixth movie being very, like, washed out. Yeah, it gets super washed out. And then it, even more so in, in Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it, because, like, with each movie, we've been slowly getting a more washed out color palette. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that to a certain degree. I actually have yeah. a problem with Deathly Hallows Part 2, where that final scene... It should be the color grading should be back up to very saturated, yeah, like the first two, like the first two, yeah, yeah. especially because you're bringing back the music from the first two. Mm-hmm. I, that that's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole last scene feels rushed. It's, mm-hmm. it's good enough, <laughs> but it we'll, feels get rushed. we'll get we'll there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Umbridge. No, no, no. We got to talk about the screenwriter. All right, you're talking about that. So Steve Clovis has written all of them except for this one. I did not realize this until we finished it. And we're until like, What's we going finished on? it, because we were so amazed by this movie, I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, written by a guy named Michael Goldenberg, who apparently was a top candidate to write the first movie. 
Mm-hmm. So the story is that Steve Clovis, he writes the first four. He's exhausted after Goblet of Fire because, sure. of course, you're yeah, exhausted yeah. after trying to adapt Goblet of Fire. He decides to take a break, and then they break on Michael Goldenberg, and he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Why at least have him co-write the next several, yeah. with, uh, the last ones with Steve Clovis? Like, come on. I help, think, him, help, help Clovis out a bit, you know? Yeah, and... No, not to say that Steve Clovis is a bad screenwriter. Like, he comes up with some good moments mm-hmm. and stuff, but I feel like just in terms of, like, knowing what to cut and how to condense yes. things, I don't... And I, sort of setting things up for the director to do, yeah. and, like, I mean, it seems like he has a really good chemistry with the director and the editor, I guess, in general. Like, the, just, the pacing is just so much better than any of... I mean, maybe not the third one, but, like, at least one, two, and four um, in terms of that. I, I just, yeah... I don't know. But yeah, I, I thought <laughs> I thought that was very interesting and it's it's just been funny because that's that's something we've been harping on so much with all of these. It's just yes. pacing and ed- editing and cutting and and how that leads into how, how well it's adapted yes. the novel. Um and this one is kind of like perfect balance of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are major things I cut don't out know of the how book, this the book from this. Yeah, list list some of those off. Real so quick. uh after uh, and the first thing, I, the, one of the biggest things is that Arthur Weasley gets um, attacked by the, by Nagini, Nagini, mm-hmm. Nagini, the snake, yep. and uh, Harry sees this. Harry goes and talks to Dumbledore and and the some of the other professors. And in the book, uh, all the Weasleys get taken out of bed. They get sent to Grimmauld Place uh, with Sirius. They go to. Um, St. Mungo's Hospital after a while. They see, they visit Arthur Weasley there. They see Neville's parents there after a couple, like, I think that's a, there's like two different visits that they go into. They see Gilderoy Lockhart again, which is a really nice thing um, that I wish we could have gotten in some capacity here, but uh, not really necessary. Uh, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole side plot where like a, a, someone that was like working for the ministry got uh, attacked and then is in a coma and seems to be waking out of it. And then they see uh, a potted plant get left at us, this person's de- bedside table. And that plant ends up killing him. And it's like, is this whole little minor detail? Like the, there's all sorts of random stuff. Um, all of that's gone. We don't, we don't see St. Mungo's at all. Yeah. We I'm, just I'm, come back. I, I'm excited about rereading order of yes. the Phoenix just because of all the, the hairy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause of being in his head, I find very yeah. interesting. Especially with all the all the, the stuff going on with with this particular one with him mm-hmm. just being angry at everyone. Yeah. But I'm kind of worried about all those little side details. I'm like, we don't need this. Get on with the story. Yeah, yeah. There, and that's kind of what I'm saying is that there's she's J.K. Rowling is still kind of like flexing her details and and how good she is at keeping track of all this stuff. Yeah. But she doesn't really have a a, a plot to focus them on. Yeah. And so they don't really punch. Um, there's. So, like, all that gets cut out. Instead, we just have, like, one scene. They're at dinner. They talk to uh, Mr. Weasley. and or the, he's, he's back from the hospital, and he's, he's kind of recovering. And, and so they have Christmas at Grimmauld Place. Then uh, Harry has the conversation with Sirius. It's a long, in-depth conversation that actually is a lot more, like, strong um, than, I think, what was in the books in general. I feel like Sirius, or in the fifth book specifically, I feel like Sirius, uh, in the fifth book, he's kind of portrayed as this, like, father figure that Harry or like Harry is is reading him as a father figure even though that's not really what Sirius 
is is capable of providing him and Sirius is kind of reckless and moody himself and so he's not really a, a Harry's sort of blinded by the fact that he's finally got someone in his life to take on that role that he's he's not paying attention to the fact that Sirius isn't like he's not really like a hero he's not like like he's he's I don't know he's just very I don't know what you're he's a silent guardian <laughs> a watchful protector <laughs> A Jim Gordon. Oh my god. I subverted your expectations. Now give me a Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> um anyway. So in the, in this one though they just they straight release the oldman cut as they say. They straight up give Sirius uh, <laughs> some really strong dialogue and conversations with Harry, uh, really emotional. Um yeah. they set up the fact that Harry might get to stay with Sirius. Uh like forever um and, it, and it's 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 a really nice emotional tug and then of course gary oldman is incredible mm-hmm. and so yeah it's uh it's nice and i feel like it, it comes through a lot stronger that it's just like all right harry harry is really excited about this guy he doesn't really like know him yet but he's he's excited to be a part of his life and that's why it's such a a, a gut-wrenching like it's his kind of chance at being a normal wizard yeah and so he's it's very gut-wrenching that he gets pulled away um yeah it's so so all of that basically is just like a condensation of like yeah maybe like four chapters <laughs> it's just like whoop, two well, scenes well the, the other biggest change is probably the ron and quidditch stuff right yeah and that and that is something that i wish we gotten in there given the cgi track record of this movie and in general, timing and pacing, I don't think it would have played. But there is a whole... If like, I remember correctly, the Quidditch stuff in the Half-Blood Prince film is really good. Okay. I don't I don't want to speak too soon yeah. because we've constantly been going, oh, we know what our expectations yeah. should be for these movies, and then they're totally just blown out of yeah, the yeah. water for One good or, or for bad. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's the entire subplot with Ron and Harry, where Harry, Fred, and George all get kicked off the... Gryffindor Quidditch team after they play Slytherin because Slytherin starts to, starts a brawl and uh, they they end up or Malfoy is actually taunting them and then they end up like just pounding on Malfoy um, and then they get kicked off and they're that they're that's a whole thing where their brooms get locked up and then Fred and George summon their brooms from uh, Umbridge's office to to break them out when they still have like chains dangling off and some nice imagery um, anyway there's all of that and so then Ron tries out for the team. Or Ron has already tried out for the team. He is the keeper. Uh, Ginny actually becomes the seeker, which is a little detail I forgot about. That's interesting. Um, and then there's this whole subplot where, like, the second game, they they barely lose because uh, Ron is, like, just so terrible that they give up so many points that even though Ginny gets to the snitch before whoever the person they're playing gets to it, uh, they still lose by a few points. And uh, then the final match... Uh, is when Harry and Hermione go to meet Grop in the forest with Hagrid, and then Ron uh, somehow kind of regains his confidence and and saves the the game and is just awesome. And then uh, there's the the whole Weasley is our king subplot. I'm basically just summarizing the book right now, and I realize this is probably not very exciting audio. But well, like there's there's just all that, these like how does that transfer over into the half blood? I do not remember in the slightest because all that stuff or a good bit of that stuff is in the movie. Uh-huh. Well, that's what I remember because all the with, all, like the liquid lock. I was gonna say that's in the book. I remember that, so I'm I'm not sure how all that plays out. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to keep an eye on that. But yeah, basically, it's it's a whole thing. Um, 
And I think it's it's sort of half implied that that it's it's sort of spurred on because Hermione like gives him a kiss on the cheek, like right before the match, and it's sort of like he 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 looks. I don't know. There, there's a little bit. It's not. It's a very subtle little thing, but it, like it, it seems to like buoy his confidence a little bit. And then he's just like, you know what? I can do this. And then it's it's a nice thing. And I don't know. It's it's all it's all there. I don't like it's just, it. It's, it but I don't like this the, Hermione and Ron shipping. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for it. That's why I'm sitting. Hermione down. and Ron are clearly was clearly what J.K. Rowling was going for, for from the beginning. And yeah. if you don't like it, then I'm sorry, but that's I'm, it's. I'll put it this way: I'm half kidding. <laughs> if that's even possible, it's very very obvious. I think at least I mean that's just how I'm reading it. But it's very very obvious at this point that they are bickering all the time because it's sort of setting up Hermione as a little Miss Weasley, <laughs> like like Ron's mom, Miss Weasley, and like that dynamic, and yeah. and that's. And they spend they spend a ton of time together, where while Harry is off doing crazy stuff and like, yeah, I, I think it's very clear that that's what J.K. Rowling has had in mind for quite a while. Um, that all being said, I think it was very smart of this movie if you're not going to do all that stuff to not have Ron do that much in this movie yep. because every time he's done stuff in these movies, I've been upset with him. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just for the best that he's just there. Yep. He's Harry Potter's best friend. Good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, I, and that's what I'm saying is that I can only be so upset because it's not like they replace it with something worse. They just don't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, it is It is a really nice little bit for, for Ron that he doesn't really get that much of. Um, and yeah. it's, especially after the fourth one where he's very angry at Harry for putting his name, or thinking he puts his name in the cup and like basically he's just jealous of Harry's success and, his, and celebrity and fame. Um, and then it's a nice kind of turnaround where it's like, obviously Ron doesn't feel that way anymore. And now he's sort of, uh, they also leave out the stuff with, Her- with Hermione and Ron becoming prefects, which I don't think they've really established wait, prefects. Wait, hold on. What? Yeah. I do not remember that. Yeah. I forgot about that until just now. Speaking of prefects, Percy's in this movie for a scene. <laughs> Continuity. I mean, wow! sh- sure. I mean, if you're not going to bother to go with it, fine. It's, yeah. At least he's there. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say the last thing that kind of is a big change is the entire third act. They with... become prefects. I do not yeah, remember that. Yeah, I completely. And that's supposed to be like a thing where it's like Harry is actually sort of jealous of of Ron when he yeah. and he's like, "Why am I jealous of Ron? I shouldn't be." Like, yeah. but but then it's sort of like t- turning the tables and, and it continues to frustrate Harry and make him angry. It is a whole thing um, that I yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Anyway, um, but the yeah, more you know. The third act, they cut out a lot of stuff from the Department of Mysteries, which I remember being really upset about, like the first time I watched this movie, and then specifically, watched... what I, my my sister was a pretty big fan of these for the longest time. Mm. I think she's kind of soured on them a little bit, mm. um, but I remember like she would always tell me like I don't like the fifth movie because they cut out all this cool stuff in the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. Which after reading again, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's all cool stuff. We don't need it. Yeah, like it's not. It, it would be extraneous. It would just make the third act longer. Like. It would be I, perfect for a miniseries where you have a whole episode to do that whole bit. Whoever would have thought of that idea? Da 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 da. da. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, Umbridge. Now um, that we've covered the Amelda's, fact that there is a ton of stuff that gets cut, Umbridge. Um, Imelda Staunton. Um, she's amazing. <laughs> she's so good. Uh, and they play her. What is it with the defense against That's the dark That's what I was saying. I was casting. telling you, man. Like every single one, and they play her a little softer in the movie. 
Uh, obviously, the Dementors, the part where she sends the Dementors well, doesn't get... She actually looks kind of like a toad in the, the book, right? Isn't yes, it supposed yes. to be much more toad-like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where this is just supposed to, like, she's she actually kind of looks like a sweet old lady. She's just also very cruel and uh, strict and harsh. Yeah. Because she believes in the rules. I was going to say, in the movie, I feel like it comes across just a little bit stronger, and part of this is just her performance. Um, actually, a lot of it's her performance. It comes across a little bit stronger that it's she's really not a completely horrible person. Um, she I mean, just, she is, but it's like, she is, she has this, such a focused, twisted worldview. Yeah. Where she's like, I, everything has to be orderly. Yeah. And it seems like, a little bit more like, that's her motivation, as opposed to like, being just thoughtlessly cruel and well, the, evil. Well, the one time she decides to try and break the rules when she's going to use the mm-hmm. Cruciatus Curse on Harry to, to get some information out of him in terms of who he's trying to contact, yeah. uh, that's, like, after she's been driven, like, insanity. Yeah, it's right after. They, the they Weasley twins, which that scene yes. could also be a best thing about this yes. movie. Yes, definitely. Um, and we'll talk about all that. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, is it's, that that is definitely one of the best scenes in like this whole series, mm-hmm. right? Definitely, just the whole they explode all the little and the music. The music goes so far. Yeah, the yeah the talking about how all the the uh, she's got all of her little orders and decrees. decrees comically built up along the wall. Outside and we've seen the, the and specifically hall. we've seen Filch slowly putting all these yeah. up over over the course of the movie, and then they just all get blown up yeah, and knocked it's down. Excellent. And, and and Umbridge is just standing there like this is happening now, yeah, I yeah. guess. And they put it. They put. Um, because like they 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 do a nice a nice uh, bit of of cutting directly to the, the kind of the plot where um Harry they they that's sort of spaced out where Fred and George do that and they coordinate beforehand or Harry coordinates beforehand with them that he's going to use that as a distraction and he successfully talks to Sirius about the memory of his father torturing Snape which we'll have to talk about um but he he successfully does that then it's like oh, maybe f- that should be my worst thing. it's a while later. That got me rethinking everything. Just like this movie. Think about it. Uh, it's a while later that Read a book. they try to go back to uh, Umbridge's office, and that's when they get captured the second time. Where in this, it's like Harry gets um, captured. You look confused over there. I was looking for my water. I see. I found it. I'm proud of you, Harry. I'm not. Harry uh, has the image of Sirius being captured and tortured in. Department of Mysteries while Fred and George are escaping and so then he immediately is like I've still got a chance I'm going to try and get into the office uh, Umbridge's office to use to the, the fireplace to contact I guess they don't really address why he has to get into Umbridge's office is that really mentioned that just kind of occurred to me what why why he specifically goes to Umbridge's office for that they say the fl- like they do her, actually her mention that. fireplace is the only one that can access the flu network okay okay cool um because they don't show Sirius almost getting captured by Umbridge in the fireplace no. beforehand, right? Yeah. No, they do not. Okay. Also, they change the um, the fireplace. Yeah. Again, these, the effects. It doesn't look good. Where it's just like his face in the flames, as opposed to like his face coming through like yeah, yeah. the the ash. Mm-hmm. It's very strange, and I don't know why they changed that. It no. feels like that feels like something that they threw in there at the last minute. Like, Maybe. Oh, we'll totally recreate the last first. Oh, crap. Crap. This yeah. movie comes out in a week. <laughs> Just throw his face in there and make it transparent. It's fine. Basically, yeah. Um, anyway, what I was saying, uh, they, they 
condense all of that so that it's just like, all right, Harry, Fred and George, Umbridge is on her last leg. She's just like completely bewildered. Yeah. They, she catches them in their office. She's like, all right, I'm going to have to use the curse. Yeah. Like, like it, I mean, it's, it's obviously still like a horrible thing. Like it's not, we're not supposed to sympathize with her for doing this, but at least it kind of builds up that this is a, a, she's driven almost to insanity. Yeah. While the book, it almost plays it like she's been looking forward to an opportunity for that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. That well, they, also, once again, in the book, she's the one that sent the Dementors to attack yeah, Harry. Yeah. And that's clearly something that is not what they're intending in the movie. Yes, yes. And so she's got a little more nuance to her and, and just the performance itself is just a delight to watch. All the montages of her like walking around. And the score sort of, that accompanies the score, her. The is score like in this movie is this, incredible. This bubbly tune and it's just kind of creepy and terrifying, yeah, which yeah. perfectly matches her. Did we ever figure out what Nicholas Hooper has done? No, I I don't think so. Need to look that up. Um, I think I, I might have looked it up and he hasn't done much. Okay. Um, but so he did this one and Half Blood Prince. So yes. it'd be interesting yes. comparing those. Um, Here's another much that I'm aware of. All of, of the Harry Potter scores have been strong. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that's really surprised me. Um, because I, I really the, the only ones that stick out for me, or at least the ones that did before watching this are like the first two and then like maybe four. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been it, it's been a, an overall enjoyable experience so far. Yeah. But Umbridge is absolutely fantastic. My only regret is that she's not in more uh, of the yeah. sequels. Like, yeah. she shows up for a nice cameo in Deathly Hallows Part 1. <laughs> I wish she was in more. Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah. I was going to say, also, they, the, the the final line, to, to end our discussion about her, uh, they, they have the line uh, where Harry, she's getting dragged off by the centaurs, and Harry's like, I'm sorry, Professor, I must not tell lies, because she's like, tell them I mean you no harm. Uh, that's in the movie. That's that's only in the movie, which is, I I don't. I'm surprised J.K. Rowling didn't make that connection. And maybe it would have been a little too too cheesy in the book, but it lands so well in the movie. Um, you know what's funny? Because I was thinking about it. Because there's a very similar payoff in Deathly Hallows Part mm-hmm. One, where he says, "I must not tell lies" or something like that to Umbridge. I'm like, did Steve Cloves even watch this one? <laughs> Did he forget? We'll have that to that... watch that and see if that like. I'm curious how like that how copied that feels. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't I don't want to be like that. Be like, oh, he clearly didn't watch it because he's yeah, uh, yeah, he's yeah. upset that he didn't like. I'm not no, I'm not, not yeah. the angle I'm going for. I'm just yeah. Could have just been he knew everyone liked that moment and fan service. Yeah. Um, which I mean, fair enough. Yeah, we'll um, have to keep an eye out for that. Um, what was the next place I wanted to go? Um. We haven't actually gotten to our, our big uh, revelation. I say let's talk about Dumbledore's army and all those montages okay. and all that stuff first. We'll um, save it for the, the – save build the suspense. Well, we also need to talk about Cho, and I figure we could connect that to Dumbledore's army and one of the cringiest romantic scenes I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> so that's something I want to talk – well, I guess talk about Dumbledore's army first, and then I want to – We also, about Cho we also need to talk about Bellatrix because Helena Bobbin Carter is like yep. – Everyone's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the one problem with their idea for this this mini series mm-hmm. is that the casting for re-cast? everyone is so perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, the same actors will will do a Marvel thing and will uh, <laughs> digitally will de-age them. By that point, we'll be able to, right? It's fine. Thirty years, we'll be good. 
Just get get an eleven year old boy and just stick Daniel Radcliffe's face on him. It's fine. Don't even change his voice at all, even though he'll be like a forty year old man by the time we get around to this. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Continue. But um, I I love all the Dumbledore's army stuff. Uh, Harry once again feeding into his arc. He's really coming into his own. He's becoming a leader, yes. and that's that's something I really miss from the sequels. Mm-hmm. Like the Battle of Hogwarts in Deathly Hallows Part Two, he is not leading at all. He's just running around in the background because they're just trying to distract the Death Eaters and Voldemort long enough so he can kill all the Horcruxes. I kind of wish there was an awesome like. He gives a, you know, he gives a rallying cry. I guess that's supposed to be kind of like when he's alive. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, oh my god, he's alive! Um, the boy who lived twice! <laughs> uh, the, there's... So, and that's something I want to... I'm already getting I, the... I kind of wish he jumps out of Hagrid's arms. He just lifts himself up. Just so everyone's clear, I was literally dead. And now I'm alive. I am Jesus. And then he runs. <laughs> and then he runs. <laughs> um, so, I, I'm already getting the book and movie confused. Do they do the build-up in... The build-up to... Uh, the, Harry being, has to be convinced to lead the army in the movie? For Dumbledore's army? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I think I just missed that. Um, yeah, because... Um, yeah, because they they kind of go over his accomplishments and they're trying to like yeah, and that's and that's what I'm talking about. He's like, guys, most of, most of the I, I love how candid he is mm-hmm. about all this, where he's just like, guys, most of this was luck, most of it was, and I love how that feeds back into some of the problems we've had with some of the conveniences and coincidences yep. from from the the previous movies. Um, how he's like, the computer's fine, it's fine. <laughs> how he's like, most of it's luck, and and he talks about how. Like when you're about to die, like you need to know how to act. Like mm-hmm. you need to just be on your toes, or, or you know whatever he says. Yeah, um, I really like that. Uh, and then like everything he says, like he he has that speech and the, the excellent montage showing them all training. Where he's like, every witch or wizard has been exactly where we are before. There's so, so if they can get to where they they got, why not us? Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. There's there's two sort of montages that they I mean both scenes are in the book but they they're just expanded on quite a bit for the um, for the movie and like there's actual dialogue and they're, they're just built out a little more and they're just really really effective. Yeah. Uh, and and they turn that into sort of the heart of the the story. Yeah. Whereas in the book there's so much going on. And so much that's just being juggled without really having a really focused central plot. Whereas this is like the central plot is they are rebelling against Umbridge. The Voldemort controlling Harry stuff is is the background stuff mm-hmm. that then gets pulled into the forefront into the finale. Right. And so I think rearranging that and rearranging the focus just makes a lot of that just flow way 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 better. Um. What else? Cho. I don't like Cho in the books. <laughs> I think... I just like how flat you are with that. There's no nuance to <laughs> There's that. There's really not. The Cho in... So in the, the, in the last... Do movie, you like her in the movies? I was going to say, in the last movie, she had the scene where Harry tried to ask her out, and it was a really nice, 
sweet. It was the right amount of awkward scene yep. that just was really, really, really well done. Um, it wasn't. Hey, Cedric was a great guy. Look at his picture. He's a pretty nice guy. Let's make out. In the book, his picture can react to what's going on. Correct. <laughs> that has been established in this universe. Why is there not a reaction shot of Robert Pattinson in that picture when they're making out? What is happening? Yeah. Uh, well, that's... So... In the book... In the, so, like, in the... Four, I'm so sad about Cedric dying. Let me make out with the guy who competed in, against him. In the fourth movie... Uh, or in the... In the fourth book, they play it well as Harry has a crush on show. It's just, yeah. He saw her and uh, They mentioned her in the... Or, J.K. I keep saying they referring to the film, and then I mean to say J.K. J.K. Rowling in the third book. Sometimes refer- it all kind of just yeah, yeah, streams yeah, together, yeah. you know. J.K. Rowling in the third book mentions Cho as on one of the opposing teams he faces, Harry faces in Quidditch, yeah. and so that's where that crush develops because he thinks she's really pretty. It turns into a full blown crush. Uh, Cho in the book is sort of just like, oh yeah, I'm sorry about that, Harry. Whereas in the movie, they play it up a little bit more. It's like, oh, she maybe has a crush on him, too. Maybe, you know, she's watching him from afar. He's a boy who lived, you know. He is the chosen one. <laughs> and they... That's one moment I like in Half-Blood Press. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, and then, then Hermione bops him on the nose or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have... We're going to watch that and like it, aren't we? Probably. It's going to happen. Fine. I'm not looking forward. I am looking... I don't know. Cho... Ron muttering Hermione in his sleep. I can't abide it. Yeah, that's can't fair. abide. All right, it. sounds good. Um, <laughs> Cho is uh, it, basically in the fifth book. It turns into it's like okay, Harry's actually making moves with Cho, but it's don't they I know have, we, don't they have like one date and it goes horribly wrong? Yeah. So well, so that's the thing is that he he sees her. He invites her to the the. D- Dumbledore's army first meeting where they all kind of band together she stands up for him a little bit then in the the meeting before Christmas they kiss and it kind of just comes out of nowhere um is Cedric's picture on Cedric's the mirror Cedric's picture is not explicitly on the mirror okay okay glad that we <laughs> cleared that up still be canon though uh, uh, it most certainly is then in Valentine's but it's just a Twilight poster I believe it then on Valentine's Day uh, Cho and Harry go on a date and show like is talking about uh, how this other guy asked her out at one point and then like how she's still missing Cho or still Cho still missing Cedric and then they she just because that's what up. you want to do and, when you're on a date talk about your yeah exes. well and then and then Harry brings up the fact that he's going to see Hermione later and then shows like oh okay what are you doing and it's it the it's not played like a realistic awkward. 15 year old relationship it feels like Rowling wrote herself into a corner yes. where she's like oh I don't want them to actually get yes. together and there's not really a good way to, and so like there's a scene there's that nice scene where Hermione um, explains everything and it's in the movie too Hermione like explains how Cho must be feeling and then Ron's like how could anyone feel like that and then she's like just cause you have the emotional range of a teapot or teapot a teaspoon, teaspoon. doesn't mean you you all do and then um, there's a wonderful moment where they all, all just bust yeah, out laughing and yeah. I'm like Oh wait, these are friends. Which is clearly like I think a blooper, probably. That yeah, it feels like something where they just broke out. But of they character stayed and just they, enough in character that it yeah. works really well and uh, turns into yeah. It's um, just nice because you talked about this with the, with the third one where um, there's the, the bit where where 
Harry and Ron are hanging out with their friends and they're they're yep. eating little snacks and and they're mm-hmm. doing the animal noises. I'm like, oh, they're just hanging out. They're friends. It's nice to get little moments of like yes, of definitely. that stuff pepper throughout uh, these movies. Yes. Um. Just but, just to remind you, hey, it's not all about the plot. Mm-hmm. It's that they they care about each other and they yeah, they yeah. like being in each other's company. Yep. Despite what some of these movies would have you believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, Cho... you can tell Ronald I'm not an owl. <laughs> so Cho, uh, yeah, that that whole relationship never feels authentic in the yeah. slightest. It feels like Harry has a crush, and then somehow this crush turns into like a quote unquote relationship. But like, there's no, I don't know. Like, I know, I know that it's supposed to be an awkward teenage relationship, but it just does not. It does. It's not. You can't follow the characters thoughts as to how this turns into what it becomes and then falls apart i don't know it, it, it none of it works i i do not i don't really like it i think i think it's just not played well um also chose a year older than him in the books right yes i think she'd be slightly more mature right i get i mean it's not even like i'm not even saying that it's because like either of them seem to be at fault for anything it's just like it's just not. It, it, it's not. It, the dialogue doesn't really convey this sense that they're. I don't know. I just don't think it works. But anyways, in the movie, they basically just cut out two or cut those two scenes of the one. They're just like, all right, squeeze them into one. Uh, they make out in front of Cedric's picture awkwardly, and there's mistletoe, yes. and Harry says it's probably full of nargles, and then he yes. just reaches. He he just pushes his face in to kiss her. Yes. Um, and then. It ends up being that Cho not rats Cho's them out. friend. So Cho brings a friend originally, and Cho's friend is the one who rats them out. Um, this time it's Cho, but or in the movie it's Cho, but it turns out that she, they used Ver- Veritaserum yeah. on her, and it's never really addressed. Like she tries to approach Harry before that's re- that's revealed. Then later Snape reveals it, and they never go back to like talk to her and be like, hey. Sorry for like shunning you. I've, um, I had the idea like at the end when they're walking towards the train. If Cho just comes out of nowhere, and she's like, "Oh, hey guys, have you? Are, I'm sorry." And then they're, they're all they all just have like stunned looks on their faces, and then it uh, freeze frames, and then she starts playing the the Seinfeld <laughs> outro music. Yep, that'd be good. We should do re edits of these movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Release the here come the sequels cut. Are we demanding this of ourselves? Release the Tyler cut. <laughs> uh, we'll alternate cuts. Speaking of the Tyler cut, <laughs> let's get into it. Yes. Um, I said Luna Lovegood was my favorite thing. We still need to talk about uh, Bellatrix, but we'll get to that. Wait, that's fine. We can talk about it. She. What do we need to talk about? She's great. She, she, there's a great scene where she's freaking out as she escapes Azkaban. Any, any, uh, what uh, Get the fine detail. We got to get to the main event. What else we got? She's nuts, and she loves being evil, and I absolutely love it. We got. And I, I, it's funny how she actually doesn't get that much dialogue, Mm -hmm. but like she instantly builds up like an interesting rapport with Neville. Yes. And there's some great moments where Neville is reacting to the fact that she's escaped. Or a, a great moment where he's reacting to the fact that he's escaped. And well, even the scene they, where he's just telling Harry what happened to his parents. And he's like, I'm not I'm not ready to tell everyone. But the yeah. fact that he's willing to confide in Harry. Like, Harry's becoming a leader and people like him. Yes. 
also to punt the the, the main event down a little bit longer here. Uh, oh, quibble no. with Sirius's death. Also, uh, I have a quibble with the the Azkaban breakout because there's just like a lightning strike. And it was then, Voldemort. It's fine. And then Bellatrix just walks up to the the open mm-hmm. section, and then she just starts laughing. And then it the was scene, Voldemort. It's fine. And then it, the scene it looks just cool. cuts. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and I think that's it's just, ominous. Well, it, it, it's because in the book it happens like off screen. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. Um, in the book, it happens off screen. That's a confusing <laughs> phrase, okay? So serious. Uh, in to be serious about serious, uh, in the book, he, he gets killed because he gets freeze frame. Cue the Seinfeld music. <laughs> um, no, so the the curtains that are in the mystery, the Department of Mysteries, they're like drapes. Uh, it's it's like actual cloth, is how it's described. And then Sirius uh, gets hit by. It's not the killing spell. He just gets hit. And he get he gets pushed back into the the curtains, and that's supposed to be kind of how he gets killed. That he goes through the curtain, like to the other side, basically. Um, in the movie, he gets killed. It is explicitly Avada Kedavra that kills him, and then he falls backwards into the the archway. Only now the archway has this like weird mist, ghost mist, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look very good. And I I think it's not played well. I it, it, like the well, the she, idea is that Harry well, is that first supposed to be like, oh, is, is she? Or, oh, he's going to come back out. Or yeah. he's on the other side or whatever. And then he's like, oh. Well, it's strange because, number one, there's a weird delay between Bellatrix saying Avada Kedavra and then the, the spell shooting out of her wand. Um, so that's strange. And then Sirius isn't, like, immediately dead. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of seconds where he's, yeah. he just, like, kind of looks at Harry and then he floats away into the veil. Yeah. It's an odd death scene. That being said... Daniel Radcliffe's reaction after that, where, like, all the sound yeah. just fades out, yeah. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I really think Daniel Radcliffe, like, like he's been good in the previous movie, so I, I think we've we've complimented yeah, yeah. them on, on consistently building up. I think here he becomes, like, a great actor. Mm-hmm. And just the whole scene where he's, he's chasing down Bellatrix, I, I love yep. it all. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, let's go ahead and talk about the final act. And the fact that Dumbledore and Voldemort's fight is actually pretty epic. Once again, Richard Harris would not have been able to pull this off. Yep. It's... Yep. Um, of course, rest in peace. But mm-hmm. um, again, just a thing of like they shouldn't have cast. I mean, not not obviously not in the sense of like oh they should have been insensitive and been like oh we're not going to cast anybody too old because they might die. Like the, yeah. that, that's not where I'm going with this. But like they shouldn't they should have known that. Dumbledore needed to be a little more spry, a little more youthful. We need someone um, with a, a little bit of physicality. Yeah, yeah, just so that he can be intimidating later on. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Again, I don't remember exactly how far. Such an epic fight! It's very cool. Uh, they, they. It doesn't even last that long. Yeah, and and a lot of it is still straight from the descriptions of the book, but they they beef it up a little bit. And there's the great uh, stuff with um, Voldemort pulling all the glass out of the Ministry of Magic's like offices, I guess. And like shooting it at, at Dumbledore and, and Harry, it, and it and it, and it just completely it, cuts up this huge banner of Cornelius yeah, Fudge. Yeah, um, it's very similar to that. I, I had the same thought about the um, the decrees falling off the wall. Mm-hmm. The same kind of visual sh- like piece that's just awesome. There, there's um, there's some good stuff in here. I I, I don't want to downplay David Yates's directing, but but I, I you know there's there's good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Anything else before I get into it? 
giant flaming snake is awesome, mm-hmm. um, and then Dumbledore wrapping Voldemort in this giant water ball is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it all. Pretty cool. And then there's just like this weird moment where Voldemort's just like shooting like black energy at him. I'm yep. not quite sure what it is. <laughs> um, there's a lot of it where it's just like they're doing magic. <laughs> Although. It makes them look like way more powerful this, wizards than anybody This else. is the movie where I start having problems mm-hmm. with um, suddenly... Silent spells? Silent spells. Suddenly Harry can do silent spells. And that's like a big deal in the book. Um, yep. That's that's sort of a rite of passage in the book. And in this, it's just like, they can do it. It's fine. Yep. Don't think about it. But then, but then there's weird moments where it's like, why isn't it consistent? Because then sometimes Harry will shout a spell and I'm like, but why? <laughs> You don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Know. Also, they changed the design of the Death Eaters. They removed the, the mm-hmm. goofy little hoods with the 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 clansman type <laughs> point at the top. Yeah. Better, much better. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the design. Of, no, I agree. Uh, once again, these Harry Potter movies are so good with the design. Like Department of Mysteries looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, just just the Ministry of Magic itself looks really cool. Um, I, I love the scene where where they go into the little um, telephone booth or yep. whatever, and then they they go down, and, mm-hmm. and Arthur Weasley's just grinning the whole time. <laughs> um, yep, it's great. So and then the, and then the room of oh. requirement is cool. And I, yeah, yeah. One, one one little quick thing is that it's interesting that they give Neville the room of requirement reveal just like they gave him the gillyweed stuff in Goblet of Fire. So they're continuing who, to just kind find, of keep Dobby. Dobby. Dobby tells Harry about it. Oh. So, it, again, they've given okay. it to Neville yeah. instead of Dobby, which is consistent, at least. I mean, it's combining characters. I mean, it's fine. Uh, it's it's the uh, the Plinkett joke of, what if we had uh, took the first Star Wars, or the first Star Wars prequel, and combined the two characters of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon into one character called Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, anyway. Luna Lovegood. So... I mentioned that she was my favorite thing. Um, a part of me realized, both while reading the book and watching the movie, that she's kind of the love interest. I mean, not that she's ever really played up as a love interest for Harry, but as, like, in, in my mind, as, as going through the, the fan shippings, if you will. I completely forgot they go to uh, Slughorn's party together. Do they? Yep. It's all there! It's all there! <laughs> um, I think that they are the best... Release the Tyler cut. I think that they are the best pairing, or she is, she and Harry are the best pairing of all the potential Harry pairings, I guess. Um, Harry. Harry pairings. <laughs> That's, we're going to get t-shirts and everything. <laughs> and we're, the back, we're not calling them ships anymore, we're calling them and, Harry pairings. And, and see, the front will be just this awkward picture of Daniel Radcliffe, and, the, and on the back will be the other six Warner Brothers Horcruxes. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Oh yes, oh yes. So go listen to our which episode was that? Uh, Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Go listen oh, to that Lord. episode for a terrible movie that somehow <laughs> is better than the other two. Um, anyway, it, we have a wonderful gag where I come up with. I'm aware. Seven Horcruxes. The audience for is aware. We need to get back to Harry Perry. You know, I have to over-explain everything, Tyler. <laughs> so tell this works. So Luna. Otherwise, um, how are they supposed to get in? <laughs> <laughs> they build this up even more in the movie because in the movie there is more of uh, there there were those additional scenes with Luna where Harry actually like 
basically throughout the fifth book, she is the only one who like consistently is there to um sort of he have him have someone to talk to that he can talk to without really being fettered by the emotions he previously has with that person. And there's a couple really nice moments that I feel. So one one little, I mean, for one, there's the bit where they're both standing under the mistletoe, and then she goes. Oh, it's probably full of nargles, and it's like it just played straight or whatever. Um, and so that's that's like a great. I feel like if you went with that direction, and I think you might have to change her personality a little bit to make her just slightly more nope, rounded. To nope. do that. I know keep you are against it. Keep it weird. <laughs> keep Luna weird. Uh, Hashtag keep Luna weird. Release the Alex cut. <laughs> and, and by that I mean it's just the exact same movie. <laughs> um. But they, they play that into, or I, I feel like you could play that into something that's actually there. And I, it's the first, she's the first person who f- seems to like actually think on Harry's level. And like I said, there's a moment where they well, actually grab hands in she, the movie. She's able to com- immediately cut through his BS. Yes. When like Hermione and Ron can't get inside his head. Mm-hmm. She immediately is able to get in there. Exactly. And be like, oh, I know exactly what's wrong. And she like very plainly explains it because she's she's just she's just constantly got this air of I understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. I love it, mm-hmm. and that plays into uh, the fact that and she's just so weird. Yes, I mean it's great, um, but that plays into the fact that you have brought up several times. Well, I mentioned this, and then you brought up how they should try and fix it or how this should have been fixed. Correct. Uh, the fact that. Slytherins are just generally terrible. Like, we were told, oh, there are some great wizards to come out of Slytherin. Uh, there's Voldemort, and Snape, who's, you know, he's a good guy, I guess, but he's also terrible to Harry the entire time. Uh, and then, like, Salazar is Slytherin, I guess. He, like, the, the Slytherins are just generally portrayed as the worst, and it seems like it's a very, uh, there's just this this facade of, like, Oh yeah, all the houses have stuff going for them. When in reality, Slytherin is just like, oh, you're probably a villain. Um, and you, so so when I brought this up while we were watching the movie, you mentioned that, and you had brought this up previously, but kind of connected it again here that Luna should be a Slytherin. And I feel like that would be such an interesting place to take this, I, I, because if, because we've had so many years of of being presented with Slytherin characters and be like they're all terrible, yeah. they're all just the worst kind of people. We needed some kind of subversion, Last Jedi style, if you will, <laughs> where we're introduced to a character who is like, oh, this is like a really nice, cool par- character. Holy crap, they're in Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, there's some nuance to this, <laughs> and then you can play. It's up- not just. The bad guys are in Slytherin. Yep. There's even a point in this movie, because you mentioned this when we talked about this, I was like, you would probably have to push her a little bit more towards being kind of cunning. And and you were like, oh, well, they should have something where, like, she's maybe she's smiling after she, like, she's maybe, enjoying fighting with the Death Eaters at the yeah. end. She maybe, does that in the movie. Uh, uh, yeah, because I was thinking, like, maybe she maybe she enjoys violence a little bit. You know, some feeding into yeah. her weirdness a little yeah. bit. And she's got this bit where she sends a Death Eater flying in, in the air, and there's a bit of a she's, smile on her face. She's got blood on the side, like, pouring out the side of her the mouth. The Death Eater, like, slapped her across yeah, yeah. the face And she's looking she, deranged yeah. up at this guy smiling, and it's great. I, I wouldn't go that far. It's a little bit. I, I would have pushed it a little bit more. Once again, release the Alex cut. <laughs> But make Luna weirder. <laughs> make Luna weird, weird again. <laughs> and it's 
I really because then if you if you have Harry end up with a Slytherin, that's such an interesting place to take the entire like arc. Especially <sighs> because thinking about it, if he had gone into Slytherin, he probably would have met her at some point. Mm-hmm. And it, and again, it, it plays back to to the the theme of is he Voldemort? Yes. Is is he going to turn it like is he actually a bad wizard? And the fact that he's conflicted about this because he feels like he has things that he has in common with Voldemort and that he's concerned about and he they scare his character and it's uh... I'm sure somebody m- many people have probably come to this realization already this this is probably I not... don't think anybody has come to the realization to put her in Slytherin put her in Slytherin and have her get with Harry maybe one or the other but I, I feel like this is not something that's been brought up a lot I feel like it fixes a lot I feel like it makes it probably makes the fifth or order of the phoenix a lot more interesting I mean, maybe not so much because you probably want to push the relationship stuff at that point. Um, and again, or not again, but to reiterate, I guess, stuff we've said in the previous podcast, J.K. Rowling is incredible. Um, I'm not trying to, like, say... Endings are so much harder to write than to criticize. Also, and, romances and, are hard to yes, write. Yes, romances are, hard to, are harder to write than criticize. Like, it's, it's easy to point at something and say, that's wrong, and then not really know how to fix it. And, like... It's hard to see sometimes how that's going when you're writing it. But there are a lot of people who are dissatisfied with the way the books and movies end in terms of, like, who Harry ends up with and kind of the way that all wraps up. I feel like that would be a really interesting way to take it. I just really, like, I just think that's such a cool twist. And especially, but then if you think, if you play that out, her father, and still have her father be the the author or the, the guy writing the quibbler... And then, you know, you get in the seventh book where he betrays them. And then it's even more interesting because it's like, can he trust Luna? And and I know you kind of probably have to, that probably completely changes the, the way the seventh act plays out, cause it, or the seventh book plays out, because it's like, well, no, you don't. I was going to say, because you might have to have Luna be, like, with Harry more, but then Ginny's not with him at all in the seventh book, so what, what does it matter? I don't know. There's that awkward scene where they show up in the Room of Requirement in part two and like everybody starts clapping because it's like oh harry's back and then Ginny just runs into the room and they just awkwardly stare at each other for like 15 seconds why and that's the other thing too is that like the fact that he's clovis we want answers they i know that they kind of tweet at us or so whatever here's something we were talking about earlier tyler do the information we're done (laughs) how i met your mother (laughs) Oh, okay. How I Met Your Mother. Uh, spoilers for those who have not watched How I Met Your Mother. Uh, if if you haven't watched through like season five or six, then you're probably fine. Um, <laughs> how I Met Your Mother ends with with Ted's. Or if you know how it ends, you can watch it all the way through, and I don't think it's going to hurt you too bad. True, true. Um, That's what I did, and I wasn't too upset. Right, right. Because um, I, I I knew what I was I watched into. I watched this real time. I was kind of in denial when it first came out. I was like, that was fine. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that was terrible. Um, talking about the ending. Because uh, Ted ends up with the mother, right, to begin with. And it's like they marry. They have the kids. The, uh, it's prayed by – prayed – played by um, – I cannot remember her name. Like it's like Christina something. Look it up. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you a task. Um, All I know is she's uh, Jordan Belfort's first wife in The Wolf of Wall Street. And she's in uh, the Star Trek-esque episode of Black Mirror. Yes! Um, and she's so good as a mother. Super sweet. They, they build up a lot of great scenes with her and Ted that are kind of like flashbacks and flash forwards. It's all great. Uh, if you don't know anything about How I Met Your Mother, the entire point is it's about Ted meeting the mother. Um, 
And then in the finale, Kristen Meliotti. Sure, sounds good. Um, she's great. Make sure I didn't butcher that last name. And and she gets killed like almost off screen by like an illness in the last ten minutes of the show. Maybe less. It might be like five. And then Ted gets back with Robin. Uh, after at age like fifty, and Rob that so the writers and they've talked about this. Originally, the plan was to have Ted end up with Robin, and that was always sort of the plan. Um, and that would have worked for for quite a ways into the show, and then at some point, they sort of just like like it was supposed to be end up being a twist of like oh yeah no that is actually who he ends up with. Um, and it would it would have worked for so long, but then somewhere along the way they kept making seasons. I guess uh, what 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 channel was that? Was how I Met Your Mother made on? Was that C CBS and, 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 and yeah. one of the three letter channels? I don't know. Probably CBS. That'd that be my right. guess. Um. And anyway, they asked for more seasons. They kept pushing it back. Eventually, they completely like dovetailed away from this and clearly made it like Ted is over Robin. We're done with that. And then brought it back. Like, they just ran out of ideas and kept going with it. And that's sort of the same thing I kind of feel with this. Not to that extent, and, and clearly J.K. Rowling put a lot more thought into Harry ending up with Ginny than, like, they did as far as the, the, how much mother showrunners did as far as, like, the impact of making this happen again. Um, but at this point in, like, the books, uh, Ginny is completely, like, over Harry. And Harry is has not shown like any interest in Ginny. Um, there is a scene. There is a nice scene where Harry is talked down from the ledge, uh, basically because after he sees Arthur Weasley as a snake, um, and Ginny explains to him that she was also possessed by by Voldemort. So she's like, "Look, here are the signs you were possessed by, possessed by Voldemort. You don't have those signs. You weren't possessed by Voldemort." And uh, that helps him to kind of like calm down and, and recenter a bit, and that is a nice scene. Uh, but even then, it's not—it's never really played as like she is, or they're really interested in each other at that point. It feels like they've completely pulled themselves apart, and it's a—it's ni nice that they do that as opposed to like Ginny pines after them the entire time, and eventually they fall in love. Um, but it's still—I feel like we got away from that, and we don't need to—we don't need to come back to that. And I think it would be kind of interesting if that just if if Harry just develops into a complete like it, it, it stops it from being so small, or it's I don't know. Um, I don't have a and I still have to read the sixth book, which I know is where that all gets built out. And I remember really liking the sixth book, so we'll see how I feel after reading that. Uh, but that's just my thoughts right now. Is that I feel like that would be a really interesting curveball to throw, and I kind of wish really wish they'd done it. And by they, I mean J.K. Rowling, I guess. Or just the movie writers just went rogue and we're just like, ah, oh, we're doing this. Um, They're going rogue Tom Cruise style. That turned into a rant that's like completely not even to do with the movies. But I, I feel like it was relevant because this movie, this movie sets it up in a way that that could be what happens after this movie. Hear me out. Would it have been worse to say going rogue Tom Cruise style or going rogue Anna Paquin style? There's a, there's a, there's a Bo Burnham joke in uh, his his uh, 
wonderful Netflix special. I thought you were going to say there's a special place in hell for the things you've done. Wonderful <laughs> Netflix special, uh, Make Happy. Uh, go watch that if you have not. Um, where he, uh, he 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 does a joke and he, he sings two lines parodying this, and he says, uh, "See, a, a lesser a lesser comedian would have milked that for four verses." And a better comedian wouldn't have done it at all. I'm going to leave you with that. <laughs> I'm going to leave you right there with that in, in response to your question. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I'm okay with this. All right. I so that's said, my rant. I never said I was a oh, comedian. I, I can't... I don't I, tell jokes. You almost let me... I for- just talk. You almost let me forget. Uh, I went to look up <laughs> Harry Luna fan fiction. Oh, no. And I found... That apparently <laughs> this is this is actually my worst thing. Okay, that's fair. This, I did, I'm changing so my I worst up, thing. I don't think I looked up Harry. I think I looked up Harry Luna like ship name because I was like, all right, I gotta see, I gotta see what these these uh, nutters on on Tumblr have come up with. <laughs> these weirdos. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it exceeded my wildest expectations because the first result I got was to Harry slash Luna on like some Wiki, fan Wikipedia thing and. <laughs> the description that Google pulled from the article was another common ship is Harry Jenna Lu- Harry Ginny Luna, also known as Flaming Nargles. <laughs> there are no words. Pumpkin pie and flaming nargles. How creative. Truly visionary. <laughs> Birdie bots every flavor nargles. <laughs> So that's all I got. Sure. Okay. Alex, what's your grade for Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix? Um, at this point, I think I'm going to go A minus. It has the potential to go up on f- if for for future watching. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to go down any because I do think it's better than Goblet of mm-hmm. Fire and and um, Prisoner of Azkaban. I do have some minor problems with it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to get an A plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I right now I'm, I'm sitting between A and A minus, and I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay, try and keep calm, not not completely lose my mind <laughs> over this movie. I'm gonna go A minus. We're going A. Um, this movie's a delight. If you haven't watched it in a while, go watch it again. I seriously thought after watching the the last couple that nothing was going to reach the yeah. A range. Yeah, same. Pretty darn good. I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't watched it's the movies in a while, almost, just watch this one. It's almost good enough that I I just wish like we could go one two three four the, the books one two three four mm-hmm. the movie. Like, go, go, like, you could want, it doesn't work because of, like, the, the continuity and, like, the things you'd miss and the details you'd miss. Uh, but if you, like, I, I almost want to just, like, watch, the, if I ever reread them again, read through one through four, watch movie five, and then read through six and seven. Um, because I think it's just that good. Uh, not that there's not a lot of good stuff that isn't in the, the fifth book. That's, I mean, one of the biggest obvious examples that never even made it into any of these movies is Peeves. Who is a big part of, of Fred and George's getaway, or like like they're a big part of their triumphant moment, I guess. Uh, the of course the the line "Give her hell from us, peeves," is excellent. Um, where where they're they're heading out and they and he he like salutes them, 
and it's like the only time he ever shows a student respect. It's it's great. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of great dialogue with Umbridge and some of the other people in the books. That, like I'm not saying that the book is is not actually good because it is, and there's a lot of great stuff. But after I was kind of frustrated with it, and then I came in and watched this, I was just like, that's an incredibly good adaptation uh, into something that really does stand on its own. I feel like. Yep. Um. So Bridge. I was I was so I was thinking about my feelings on. Corona Newell should have just alternated and done the whole series. Mm-hmm. That's not as important to me any, any anymore. Now that I've as learned the, that, that Michael Michael yeah. Goldenberg, um, at the very least, he should have been co-writing it with with Clovis. Yeah. Um, and if not, writing the whole thing himself. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we get Corona Newell and Yates. Maybe they just do, mm-hmm. you know they alternate. I don't know. Now Call of Duty does. Don't they have three different s- yeah, subsidiaries that make each each game Lord. that comes out? Yep. Yeah. Oh God! Why did I? Oh, that's a terrible comparison. <laughs> because that's working because, so well. And because that's <laughs> working so well. All right. Where's my Activision check? <laughs> you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hctsequels you can find us on uh, email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com and you can also find us on tw- twitter I already said twitter youtube and itunes by searching here come the sequels correct anything else? no I'm dreading the next one I don't even know I need to, I need to get started on that sixth book I'm I'm dreading it. Yep. But you know you know what they say. No. Dread it. Fear it. Run from it. Thank you. In the end, destiny still arrives. Are you telling me that we're gonna review Infinity War instead of Harry Potter and the Half Wood Prince? That's exactly what I'm <laughs> saying. I wish. Now we'll say we'll save it for after. See, see when you're editing, then you cue the big Avengers theme, just like bombastic. Okay. Make sure it breaks people's eardrums. Okay, sounds good. All right, cool. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you all next time <laughs> for Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Maybe art is subjective. Nothing is real. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs>